Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. How do you come up with business ideas, peers? Is it from sitting in a quiet room? waiting for the moment to come to fruition? Or is it from finding a solution to an issue you've experienced yourself? There's really no right or wrong answers. However, from this week's guest, Lynn Greenberg, it was through moving to a new city and starting from scratch that led her to found her business, The Pivot App, in 2019. In today's episode, Lynn shares how her app pivoted from its original use why she had to adapt when big investors came knocking and how entrepreneurship can truly be the way to make a dent in the world. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us on our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Lynn. Lynn. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Amazing. So, you know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the incredible work you're doing and the HR and the tech space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am the founder and CEO of Pivot. 
which is a mobile app designed to reduce employee turnover and improve the social well-being of relocated mobile and remote employees. Um, it was started actually out of my own experience, relocating to London to work for Bloomberg, landing there as a 21 years old, not knowing anyone there and facing the issue that all people do when moving to a new and unfamiliar place, which is how do you go about making your new city feel like home? So I'm happy to dive into that a little bit further, um, but that was really how, how it all started. On top of that, I also do quite a bit in venture capital. I enjoy doing speaking and, and mentoring um, for a variety of different venture groups and, and startups as well. Oh, so cool, Lynn. When I was looking into you and all the stuff that you do, I was just like, how does she have time for anything? Like, I don't even know. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I can't wait to dive deeper into your business and how you founded it. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I often find to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? That's a, a really interesting question and, and one that's probably not asked enough. Um, so I grew up about 30 minutes outside of New York City. You know, I grew up in a town that actually my mom grew up in and my grandparents were close by, my cousins and family were close by. So that was always a really big part of my life and really important um, into kind of building myself and, and my entrepreneurial endeavors afterwards. Um, actually, a good number of my cousins and my aunts and uncles are entrepreneurs themselves. Um, so that has certainly rubbed off on me and being close by to them certainly has done so, too. Um, but, you know, I think really the opportunities and um, that that I was given, the friendships that um, I built in that community, I was very active in, in sports. Um, and I always credit that to be a really big component of where I am now with entrepreneurial world because sports, you know, teaches you so many of the, the lessons that are so crucial to being a founder and, um, you know, navigating the business world, which is, you know, time management, um, you know, feeling those ups and downs, really having that drive to persevere, teamwork, all of those things um, that, you know, have never been more crucial. So I was really grateful to, you know, be a multi-sport athlete and take part in, you know, community service. And, and my parents always inspired me to, to do things that I was really interested in, you know, for that reason, I'm really grateful for, for where it's taken me. It's so true. I think sports you know, there's so many parallels between sports and entrepreneurship. And I mean, you mentioned a couple and I find it fascinating that you had cousins and aunties and whatnot who were entrepreneurs as well. I mean, you know, what did your parents do? Were they entrepreneurs or was it more just your extended family? And I guess what were some of the greatest lessons that your parents taught you in the early years? My parents, so my mom is a teacher. Um, my dad does have his own company, but it was, you know, it's a family business. That said, he does quite a bit of entrepreneurial work um, within his company and outside of it. And then actually, um, I'm one of three children and um, both of my brothers are also entrepreneurs. So my poor parents, but, um, you know, it certainly must have been kind of bred within our, our family. So, you know, grateful for that. And look, I think all the important lessons that that they've taught us has really kind of taken us to this point. First of all, I think they just instilled this sense of confidence, the idea that everything is what you make of it. 
you know, I think a lot of parents are really reluctant to to let their children fail. But my parents really, you know, never shielded us from that. And that allowed us to fail and learn from it and bounce back up and try something new. And um, I think, you know, that's extremely important in entrepreneurship and in life, you know, also just kind of uh, instilling the the importance of kindness and and treating everyone, you know, with respect and, and the way that you want to be treated. And really just, I think, being a people person first and really being driven by, you know, what can you do to help others? And that certainly has led me to my journey with Pivot because one of the reasons why I really like entrepreneurship is it's it's a way where I can really make my dent in the world and really contribute and give back in a way that I can and others may not be able to in my unique way. It's so true. For those of us who weren't, you know, as lucky and and didn't you know, have parents that instilled in us all of these great values that you had, or, you know, perhaps I really like the one that you mentioned around confidence and just the ability to go out there and, and kind of pursue what you want to pursue. You know, I think a lot of the time, I mean, this was certainly the case for myself. We, we kind of want to please our parents and, and do what's going to be, you know, they're going to be happy with and whatnot. And then we end up on these career paths that just are not aligned. Um, and we perhaps don't have that confidence to go out there and do what we actually want to do. You know, for our peers out there listening who just feel that and are in that space, you know, what advice would you give to us around navigating through all of that, I guess that mindset, what's been instilled in us and actually building that confidence to go off and do what we want to do. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And, and I do say, yes, my parents instilled that in me, but I also think it was a variety of things. One of the reasons why I'm so passionate about what we're doing at Pivot is because when I moved abroad alone without knowing anyone, um, you know, I really had to figure everything out on my own. And that meant failing a lot and stumbling a lot and getting myself back up. But you learn and what has really kind of taken me to to each next stage, whether that be fundraising and getting lots of no's or sales pitches and getting lots of no's is looking back on those hard times and saying, I got through that. I got up and look where I am now. And so I think it is so important you talk about mindset to really look back on all of those challenges, whether they be big or small, um, and using that as your confidence to keep going. Um, because we have all gone through things in our past, you know, that have propelled us forward. And look, they've been tough at times, but we're standing now and um, more times than not, they teach us things. And so that's what I've always really used when times get tough is saying, look, I overcame a challenge like this before or worse than this before. And I can do this again. We can do it again. Oh my goodness. I love it. I love it, Lynn. I want to dive a bit deeper into your story. So, you know, you decided to move to the UK just after graduating. I think you did a bachelor's degree with a major in government and a minor in sociology, um, Franklin and Marshall College, I think in Pennsylvania. And then you decided to head off to the UK, you know, straight fresh graduate and whatnot. Talk to us a little bit about that time there, that decision to head overseas after you'd graduated and kind of what your plan was at that time where your head was at? Yeah. Um, you know, I certainly didn't know what I wanted to do. I I still don't know really what I want to do, 
But what I did know is I wanted to work for someone that I respected and I wanted to learn. And um, I, as you mentioned, I was a government major. And so I was kind of just saying, okay, well, there's a job opening at Bloomberg Law. I majored in government, law and government, had something to do to get to each other. Mike Bloomberg, of course, was the mayor of London, you know, out while I lived in New York and and then had spoken at my college um, in our commencement address, you know, two years prior and, and really respected him. And so kind of just tried to connect the dots where I could, but but it was, you know, um, kind of a, an educated guess as to whether or not it would it would work. Um, it was actually the only job I applied to in London. The rest were in New York. And it was because of that Bloomberg Law type of fit. Um, so I had been to London for two days when I was 12 years old, and that's about it. Um, so really didn't know much um, about London or the UK. I had studied abroad in Spain, so, you know, knew a bit about, about Europe, but, you know, was, I think it took seven or eight job interviews for it to really kind of seem like this was real. I really kind of applied to this, not thinking I was going to get it. Um, and and then just really embraced the opportunity and said, this is, this is a life-changing opportunity. I think there was a really short time period between when I found out I got the job and graduating and then, oh my gosh, I have to move everything and figure out where I'm going to live and starting a new job and, you know, how do, where do I start? How do I get a bank account? All these things um, that it, you know, didn't totally hit me um, the way it probably should have. So um, about four weeks after graduating from college, I moved to London to to start my job at Bloomberg. Um, I, you know, was starting my job the day after I, I landed. So I had to find a place prior to living there. And I didn't know where to live. I didn't know which bank to join. You know, I, I saw the movie Notting Hill and thought, okay, well, if it's good enough for Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant, um, has to be good enough for me. So um, decided to live in Notting Hill. And, um, you know, searched online and um, the first couple of weeks I did so, I would come online 9 a.m. U.S. time. And by the time I got on, um, you know, the flat that I had wanted had been gone because the housing market was just crazy. And so for, you know, the next week, woke up at five in the morning and finally got got a flat sight unseen, moved over to London and, um, you know, got into my flat and and faced a lot of challenges when I landed there, which is you go to the bank and they say, well, your credit doesn't transmute over here. And you try to get your mobile phone and they say, well, you need you need a bank account and your credit card. So there were all these different challenges that you would run into that you would never have expected to. It was a really great, great learning experience. But, um, you know, I struggled with that, which is the logistical side of things. And then I also struggled with well, okay, how do I recreate my network from scratch? You know, how do I make friends? And I considered myself a, a pretty outgoing person. And so I went to bars by myself. I went to meetups. I tried dating apps for the wrong purposes. And nothing really seemed to click. And more than anything, I was just curious. Um, and I spoke to other colleagues of mine at Bloomberg London. And I said, how are you guys going about this? And they really couldn't give me a good answer. Um, no one really had a solution. And so I was just kind of driven by curiosity and and what am I not doing? You know, what am I missing here? And so I started reaching out to, you know, people, expats and, and you know, relocated employees that I found on Facebook expat groups. 
and started asking them, you know, what they're, what they're doing and quickly found it was a much bigger problem than just myself. So I took one business class in college. That was it. The only tech experience I had was what I was doing at Bloomberg. So I started taking classes, you know, and attending workshops, everything I could get my hands on, Startup 101, you know, Marketing 101, speaking to people that, that had, you know, started a company. Um, the one piece of the puzzle I wasn't able to grasp was the venture capital side of things. And I knew that if I were to start a company, I'd need to know how to create something valuable and investable. So I actually reached out to the venture capital branch at Bloomberg called Bloomberg Beta and asked if I could do some work with them on top of my core role. And they put me through, I guess, like a short due diligence process of come up with some companies that you think we should invest in and tell me X, Y, and Z. And was grateful to have gotten through that and then had the opportunity to help them on top of my core role. Absolutely loved it. And um, after about three years in, in London, um, you know, I said, I'm, I'm ready to take Pivot off the ground. So I moved back to New York, um, where I was co-founding it with my brother at the time. And while we were building out our beta, I continued working for another venture capital firm, really with the purpose of, you know, I have more to learn because I know that Pivot's the end goal. I know I want to start this company. How much can I learn? So spent about three years, you know, in that, as I mentioned, I'm still closely tied to the industry and, and enjoy being on that side of things as well. But Pivot, long story short, started as a consumer app for people moving and traveling to help acclimate in their new city. And we were live on the App Store and Google Play for about six months in New York and London. And at that point, we were approached by HSBC. And they said, we came across your platform. We like what you're building. It's something we're struggling with internally with our relocated employees and business travelers. Is this something you'd be interested in building for businesses? And we kind of said, oh, wow, you know, we built this whole product. We launched it. We spent so much money doing this. And, and now, you know, here's a, for lack of a better word, pivot opportunity. Um, in hindsight, what we realized was that our consumer app was a good product um, for a lot of different people, right? It was a consumer app. So everyone from relocated employees to backpackers to study abroad students to just regular travelers used it. But we didn't build a great product for one demographic. And so it was a real blessing in disguise when HSBC approached us. And when we did the research, we found that companies on average spend about $90,000 relocating a single employee only for a third of them to quit their job within a year or move back home because of social reasons. So when we figured that out, you know, we said, okay, well, the mission is not changing. This is just a different means to, to get to our end point. And of course, you know, from the consumer side of things, marketing is so expensive and you have to get to a certain number of user base to even get revenue. So we decided that this was the best route to go in. With that all said, my brother lost interest in the company because he was really interested in the consumer side. He came on to Pivot really because he was studying abroad at the time and saw the use case there. Um, so that, you know, was really difficult. But, you know, it's been a blessing and lots of stumbling later and lessons learned. We're, we're now a social app designed to reduce employee turnover and improve the social well-being of relocated mobile remote employees and their families. So it's been, you know, a fantastic journey, exasperated the need during the pandemic, which has been really interesting. 
Oh my goodness, Lynn. I've just been nodding along. You guys can't see me, but this is all so, so interesting. And I think something that stands out to me is just your ability to pivot, which is, you know, no no pun intended, as you said before, but, you know, it, it is actually just your ability to go, you know what, I had this initial idea and we've built this thing out, but hey, you know, circumstances have changed. Someone's approached us, HSBC, obviously a massive bank. You know, we have this opportunity to do something to niche in. You know, for our peers out there listening who are at those very early stages of building out their idea perhaps and building out what their company will look like and what they, I guess, hope it will look like, you know, what advice would you give to us around being okay to pivot on your initial idea? I think this is something that entrepreneurs get caught up with a lot. Um, I definitely know in my journey, I've pivoted many times, but what advice would you give to us around pivoting and getting comfortable with perhaps not knowing what your company is going to be ultimately in the early days? Well, I think I'll answer this this question kind of with my investor hat on. Um, and so when I would invest in early stage companies, the first question I would ask founders is, why are you doing this? And the reason would be is because, as, as you know, as many of the people listening know, starting a company is so hard. There are so many ups and downs that um, if you are starting your company because you just don't want to work for someone else, you know, you're never going to be able to stick with it. And so what I was always looking for is what's your why? And why are you doing this? Is it something personal to you? Is it something that you went through yourself? Why is it? And what is going to keep you around when things get difficult? And I mentioned that because I think those are the things that you have to constantly keep reminding yourself of your why throughout your startup journey. And I would encourage people to be hyper-focused on listening to their customers and staying really in tune with the times and the trends, but never alleviating from that why, because that's why you're building the company. So when, you know, we decided to pivot, lack of a better word again for for pivot, um, you know, the multiple times we've done it, it's always been, you know, in the direction we've taken, but it hasn't been taking away from our mission, which is really the thing that energizes us in the morning. And so that's what I would really say to people is, you know, really stay true to your why, but in the means to getting there and the race and the track, it's never going to be a straight line. Um, So listen to your customers, listen to what's going on and be open to, to change. Such valuable advice. How do we get clear on our why? That's a good question. It's really... I know it sounds really simple, but what gets you up in the morning? Why are you doing this? If you're building a company because, you know, it looks cool or you don't want to work for someone else and you want to start your own company, guess what? There's too many no's. There's too many blocks in the road. It's just so, it's so hard. You really have to, and I do this all the time. I have a, you know, I go back on, I look back on the notes I took, you know, in my flat in London seven years ago. And I remember or sometimes, you know, I go back and visit London to kind of spur those emotions that I had of why did I start this? Because you're going to have a lot of those moments where things get tough and you're going to have to depend on that. And so when people ask me, OK, well, after pivot, are you going to start something else? Say, well, 
you know, now, especially what I know now about starting a company, I'd have to be really passionate about it. And I think that's your why is, and it might not be something that, that you'd gone through, but maybe it's, you know, something that a family member has, or it's close to your heart because you're solving a problem that you think exists. And, and, you know, it's your, your way of putting a little bit of dent and good in the world, but there has to be some sort of reason in my opinion, this is not the case for, for all people, but, you know, aside from monetary value and aside from, I don't want to work for someone else that really, you know, gets you up in the morning. Mm, So, so true. You mentioned the struggle and the hard times in business, you know, what were some of those early challenges that you faced and can you talk us through them and how you navigated through those? How much time do you have? So intrigued. <laughs> there, I mean, they're countless. One, you know, being being really frank was like losing my brother as a co-founder, right? And kind of losing that interest and kind of being alone in the journey because being a founder is so lonely. It's an emotional and, and physical, very tough journey. And not being able to kind of have someone that's going through it with you is, is difficult. Um, so that was you know, something very early on that I had to navigate and get past. And I learned to really, you know, build a great team around me, surround myself with great advisors that could kind of fill in gaps and provide that support and really kind of, you know, inspire me and the company to reach our best selves. I think, you know, hiring and and firing is extremely difficult. I think, um, I think it goes without being said, but especially at an early stage startup and not having a ton of experience in it, where you can't offer the benefits that an Amazon or a Facebook can. However, those early employees need to be an extension of your company because you know there's there's very few people representing you in the company and you're doing so much. It's very difficult to to hire the right way and learn to fire quickly. Um, you know, especially not having gone through it before. The other thing, you know, we are a remote first company. We're walking, we're walking the walk. Um, I think something that we've been really intentional about from day one was, was our culture. And I think it's really, really important. We brought on a consultant that, you know, had started a number of companies and we said, look, we know that we only get one shot at it and it needs to be established from day one. How do we, you know, establish a strong culture with, with all of us apart? And so that's something that, you know, we constantly, our leadership team has to work at because we're not seeing each other face to face every day. And we have to make sure that we're supporting each other and um, and being there and encouraging them and making sure that they're happy, especially as working at a well-being company. So it's a, that's a challenge as well. And then lastly, I'll say, you know, something I'm, I'm still trying to navigate now, but for so long, it was just myself, Right. Um, you know, even for a good portion of the time between our pivots, I was consulting to kind of keep the lights on like we didn't raise. And so it was me for a really long time, just me. And now it, it went from being just me kind of doing everything to now managing people and, and being more hands off and um, learning how to kind of incentivize them. And um, and so you know, it's a really exciting challenge to have, but it's it's something that is taking a lot of uh, learning and growth. 
I love that. And I love that you distinguished, you know, in the early days when it was you just wearing all the hats, doing everything, putting up all the capital. You know, I think it's something that's not talked about enough where, you know, those companies that do bootstrap and there's a lot of us out there, you know, that just bootstrap our businesses and we really put everything that we personally have into what we're building up until, you know, whether the company becomes profitable or we raise or whatever it may be. I love that you mentioned that because, you know, I think there's a lot of misconception around what it means to start a business by yourself as a solo founder, or in your case, you know, you became a solo founder after your brother left. I love it. Oh, Lynn, we could talk for days, but I'm mindful of your time. I've got a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? Um, well, I'll start with the win. Um, and I think that's that's where Pivot is now. I mean, I pinch myself all the time just seeing that I have a team around me that is excited about what we're building and doing that together. And to have people that I was able to actually hire and get excited about what we're building and now, you know, have customers on our platform and really being able to help people. It's, you know, beyond my my wildest dreams. Um, investors that are invested in an idea that I felt and I wrote on a napkin, um, you know, in my flat in London. It is just surreal. And I'm so grateful for for that every day. The biggest failure, as I said, um, look, I could write a book. There are so many of them. And I would say, you know, when we were a consumer app, we built a lot of our features based on the fact that I thought I was the demographic and because I needed it, that the rest of our customers needed it. And so we weren't close enough to our customers. We weren't building things for them. We weren't asking them before we built them. And we ended up spending a lot of time and money building things that I needed, but our actual customer turns out didn't need. And it's something that's, you know, preventable, but, you know, really set us back quite a bit of time, a lot of money. That's certainly up there. As I said, you know, there there are lots of them. They're failures every day. I tell people that after Pivot, I might start like a, a company where you can you create wallpaper for founders where you write all the no's that you've ever gotten um, on your walls, because I always joke that I could fill my entire room with them. And, you know, those failures are blessings in disguises. They're just no's or maybe laters, um, you know, they hurt, but they, they make you stronger and get you to where you need to be. Agreed. Uh, look, Lynn, over the last five to seven years in business, you've really grown from strength to strength. You've received a lot of recognition for your work. And most recently you were featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? There's a lot more than three. Um, let's, let's put it that (laughs) way. Um, and I will actually send you after this, I wrote an article to my college shelf of what I wish I knew when I was a college student. And a lot of that kind of goes back to this. But I think, I think um, you know, the first one would be, especially when, when starting a company, and I mentioned this before, you can never be too close to your customer. Really live and breathe them. Really understand them inside out. 
and build something that a small demographic absolutely loves and then build out from there. Um, You know, I always say to my team, let's build a product where 40% of our users can't live without it. And I don't care if that's 10, 10 users that have, you know, this niche problem, because if we can build that, then we can solve something. So stay close to your customers. Don't be afraid to, to get narrow and then expand outside of that. I think a lot of the mistake I see more so than not is what we did with our consumer app is like we could solve so many different areas at once. Why don't we do them or where do we start? Pick one, become a industry expert, you know, really nail down to it. The other thing I would say is, you know, I think in our, our the entrepreneurial world, raising capital is kind of seen as a milestone, which it is for some people. However, I would encourage anyone to hold off as long as they can and know that not every company needs to raise capital because what happens when you get capital is you have other people breathing down your neck and you have other people that you need to attend to. And it's especially hard when you're trying to get product market fit or figure things out you know, I think people say, oh, well, I raised $10 million. This is fantastic. I've, you know, reached a really big milestone. And and look, it's a great thing. There are plenty that comes along with that. And so if you can bootstrap it, first of all, you'll have more equity in your company. You'll have more say, like, don't be afraid to do that. And really, when you do raise capital, only raise what you need, because the more you take, the more responsibility, of course, that you have. So those would be, you know, two of them. Three is like just surround yourself with the best people you can. And that means your team. That means your advisory board because you can't get everyone on your team. And that also means reaching out to people like I do still every week, asking people for their expertise on LinkedIn because you have to know that you don't know everything and you're not going to know everything and you shouldn't know everything because you need to delegate and leave this to to other people. But don't be afraid to ask for help. And those people, you know, are great extensions of you and become a part of your network and become invested in you and your success. And so surrounding yourself with with people that can really lift you up in in different ways is so important. Such valuable advice. Oh, Lynn, look, before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us and particularly us young, ambitious females that if we have that inkling to do something different, we can as long as we stick at it and not be afraid to pivot. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you. That's so kind. But um, yeah, perseverance, can't say it enough. It's really something. It really is. Oh, Lynn, the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Oh my gosh. there's It's indescribable because it doesn't feel like work. You wake up every day and you're so devoted to it and you're excited to do it and you learn so much. One of the things that I do say about creating a startup is it's so hard, but you know, I worked at a corporate for for some time and you learn more in a day a lot of the times than I did in, you know, a month or a year. 
And it's because you're trying to figure out all these different things and you have to take out fires and you have to dive into different areas that make you uncomfortable, but you don't mind doing that if it's something you're passionate about and it's just the greatest thing. So I am certainly grateful for that. I know a lot of people don't have the the opportunity to, to work on something they're passionate about, let alone full time. So, you know, it is a luxury, but if you're able to do it, it's fantastic. Couldn't agree more. Oh, Lynn, thank you so much. This has been so awesome. Where can we learn more about you and Pivot? So you can visit our website, which is www.pivotapp.com, which is P-I-V-T-A-P-P.com. Or you can check out my LinkedIn, which is Lynn Greenberg. Perfect, Lynn. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again. It's been so cool to have you on. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.